G'day mate, it's Matty Graham here. Welcome to another episode of the Exponential Performance Podcast. In this week's episode, we are talking all things anaerobic threshold. What actually is anaerobic threshold? Would it surprise you if I told you that there was no such thing as anaerobic threshold? What's the difference between anaerobic threshold and lactate threshold? What about functional threshold power? It's all very, very confusing. And that's just the name of the damn thing. What about how to train it? Well, in this episode, we're going to dig into all of those things. So let's get into it. Welcome to the Exponential Performance Podcast. Join sports scientist and performance coach Matty Graham to find out how to train smarter and maximize your performance no matter who you are. Mate, it is good to have you tuned in and listening to the Exponential Performance Podcast. I hope you've had a good week or your week's off to a good start depending on when you're listening to this. And you're taking those steps towards your goals, no matter what they are. After last week's podcast with the 100-day challenge creator, Gary Ryan Blair, I had a lot of questions and comments from those who are interested in the 100-day challenge. Now, if you missed last week's podcast, I highly recommend you go back and check it out. But in a nutshell, what the 100-day challenge is, is an incredibly effective system that helps you not only just set goals, but using daily videos and focus points along with progress reports and community support, it provides a framework to help you keep your energy focused in the right direction so you continue to make progress into those goals after they've been set. Now, as I said last week, I'm committing to the 100-day challenge again to tackle some big goals that I want to tick off. Now, if there's enough of you out there, sign up for the 100-day challenge from the Exponential Performance Podcast. What I'm planning on doing is setting up a bit of a mastermind group to support those that are doing the 100-day challenge. What I was thinking is having some regular online group calls as well as a bit of a social media support group where we could message back and forth and have a bit of a check-in. That way we can get the most out of the 100-day challenge. So if you haven't already done so, make sure you download the free Achieve Goals Fast manifesto that Gary put out. Now in this manifesto, you're going to find the same strategy that he teaches to the likes of Navy SEALs and other elite special forces. If you're looking for that link, it is in the show notes over at the Exponential Performance Coaching website or down below in the description of the YouTube video or over on SoundCloud if you're listening on that platform. Click that link, it's going to take you through so you can download that free manifesto. Now it's time to crack into all things anaerobic threshold. It's a term most people have heard of, but not a lot of people actually know what it means or are confused about what it means and how to train it. So, let's crack into it. Anaerobic threshold, here it is. What we're talking about is anaerobic threshold. Most people have heard of it. Not a lot of people really know what it actually means. And then the next step of how to actually train it, how to improve this thing we call anaerobic threshold. 
If you haven't heard of anaerobic threshold, you may have heard of lactate threshold. You've probably heard of functional threshold power, or FTP, or functional threshold heart rate, FTR, FTHR, sorry. Also, it's often called lactate turning point, the lactate deflection point, the on onset of black blood lactate accumulation. I mean, there's so many names for this erroneous intensity or this magical thing that happens when we exercise. What if I was to tell you that there's actually no such thing as an anaerobic threshold? When you look at it, there is actually no such point. What the point is that we're talking about is uh, an area where certain things happen in the body. And as coaches and as sports scientists, it's good to know what that point is and roughly where it is. We can't pinpoint it much more than a, a roughly. So by knowing that, we can then change the way we train to elicit different responses within the body in relation to that point because it is quite an important one. So there are many different names for them. And one of the common ones is people say, well, what's the difference between anaerobic threshold and lactate threshold? And unless you're a sports scientist, the answer is there's no real difference. There's no real difference. And those terms are often used interchangeably and they'll probably be used interchangeably in this podcast as well. And if you want to know what the difference is, it is that anaerobic threshold can be calculated through gas analysis. The analysis of the gases that you're breathing in and out in terms of oxygen and carbon dioxide. There's a point in progressive exercise where the amount of carbon dioxide you breathe out exceeds the ratio of oxygen you're breathing in. So when aerobic metabolism is happening, you breathe out a certain proportion of carbon dioxide for every molecule of oxygen that your body uses. Now, when your body starts to use more and more energy anaerobically, more carbon dioxide is produced through our lactate buffering system than when we use our aerobic metabolism. So when you breathe out, you breathe out more carbon dioxide than the amount of oxygen that you actually used. And this ratio is what is termed anaerobic threshold or is what is used to identify anaerobic threshold. Lactate threshold, on the other hand, can have nothing to do with gas analysis. It is all just to do with what is being measured in the blood. It is when lactate is measured in the blood and when there is an exponential increase in lactate to fatigue. Usually is indicated when it breaches the 4 millimole level and then keeps increasing beyond that to fatigue. There are a lot of different ways to measure anaerobic threshold, lactate threshold, but they are all describing a similar point, and that's all that we probably need to know in terms of this podcast without going into it much more. So why is it important to know our anaerobic threshold? Well, to be honest, it's not actually important to know our anaerobic threshold. We... It's important to know a couple of things about our anaerobic threshold, but actually knowing the specific number in a lab, getting blood measured, this day and age with power meters and heart rate monitors, it's becoming less and less important 
to get a direct measure of your anaerobic threshold. And getting an indirect measure, such as a functional threshold power test, is a really good way of estimating your anaerobic threshold and getting the numbers that are important in the real world rather than getting these lab tests. So why is it important to know about our anaerobic threshold? Well, in the real world, endurance races are raced at a percentage of your anaerobic threshold. Now, with your anaerobic threshold, I want you to think of it as the proportion of your engine that you can use. So your VO2 max, which is a term you've probably heard, is the overall capacity of your engine, the size of your engine. So think of a Big Mac truck versus a Mini. A Big Mac has obviously got a bigger engine, and that would be quantified as a bigger VO2 max. Whereas a Mini or a little sports car has a smaller engine. I don't know too much about engines, so hopefully those examples make sense. They've got a smaller VO2 max. But what's faster, the, the Big Mac truck or the smaller car? And this is where anaerobic threshold comes in. Also power to weight, but we'll talk about that maybe in a separate podcast. So the bigger your engine is doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to race faster. It means you have the potential to race faster, but this is where anaerobic threshold comes in. Anaerobic threshold is the proportion of your engine that you can use. So let's say you've got a massive horsepower. Let's say it's a Big Mac truck, you've got a massive engine, but you can only use 40% of that engine. Okay, There's a lot of wasted capacity there. And this could be someone who has a very low anaerobic threshold. Whereas let's say you've got a smaller engine, let's say it's the Mini, but that engine is able to be used at 90% of its capacity. And that's how somebody who has a lower VO2 max than another person can still be faster than them on race day. So when it comes to anaerobic threshold, we're talking about the proportion of our engine that we can use. Now anaerobic threshold is highly trainable, so it is definitely something we can train and we can get good results out of training. So on race day, when the gun goes, everybody will settle in to a percentage of their anaerobic threshold and they will race at that intensity. If it's a long sustained race, such as a triathlon or a multi-sport race, a marathon, um, you know, an endurance mountain biking event, a time trial, then the, the, the zone that you sit in will be quite consistent. And because everyone is sitting in a zone as a percentage of their anaerobic threshold, and that usually, depending on the length of the race, is somewhere between 75 to 95% of your anaerobic threshold. If you're working over your anaerobic threshold, it's a, it's a much shorter race. But everyone is working at a percentage of their anaerobic threshold. So if you have a higher anaerobic threshold, any proportion of that, relatively, is going to be higher if you've got a higher anaerobic threshold. So having a higher anaerobic threshold means that you're going to be able to race harder and faster for longer on race day.
Now, what about races that have got a lot of surges in them, such as a road race? Well, with a road race, everyone's going to be cruising along in that bunch at a proportion of their anaerobic threshold. So if you've got a higher anaerobic threshold and you're just cruising, you're going to be well down, maybe even around 40-50% of your anaerobic threshold, just cruising along. But when those attacks start to happen, and those little surges or little hill climbs where you've got to put in a wee burst of energy, you're going to start creeping up towards that anaerobic threshold, and you're going to cross it, and you're going to cross it. But the higher it is, the less you cross it, and the less you cross it, the more energy you're going to have in reserve. Now, there is an analogy, and you've probably heard it, about burning matches. If you can imagine you start a race with a box of matches, every time you cross over your anaerobic threshold, you burn a match. Every time you put in a wee burst up a hill or chase down a breakaway, you burn a match. Obviously, as you burn more matches, you're going to have less and less, and eventually they're going to run out, and you're going to be not able to push into those high intensities anymore, and you're just going to be stuck in that go-slow survival mode. So the bigger your anaerobic threshold is, the less you cross it, and the higher your sustained race speed is going to be. So having a high anaerobic threshold, hopefully, as you can see, on race day in the real world means you can go harder and faster for longer, which will result in a better race result. So that's why anaerobic threshold is important. Now, how do you test it? Well, as we mentioned before, you can go and get a lab test. And I used to do lots of lab testing. I used to have my own setup where I'd measure people's blood lactate at different uh, workloads. And the, it was a really effective way of doing things. It is quite expensive. It does require a little bit of specialist lab equipment and a few skills. But it, it is it is really good. The key thing is is that you use the same protocol every time, the same testing protocol, because if you don't use the same testing protocol, then the results are very, very unreliable. The way that I do it now is using field tests. And why do I do it using field tests? One, it's cheaper, so it's more accessible to the athlete. Two, the athlete can do it by themselves wherever they are in the world and I coach people all around the world so I can't have people coming into my lab just to get anaerobic threshold testing sessions done because they can be on the other side of the world but when you can go out with your heart rate monitor or ideally with a power meter on the bike you can go and get quite reliable data that gives us a reflection an indirect measurement of your anaerobic threshold or the important numbers associated with it that we can set training zones off and we can also track your performance improvement. So these tests, are no doubt you've heard of the field tests, functional threshold power tests, where you work for 20 to 30 minutes depending on what the protocol is and it's your max work rate over that time. Over that time, you'll get an average value, whether it be heart rate or power. And what that number is, is a reflection of your anaerobic threshold. It's assuming that anaerobic threshold is the power or the heart rate that you can sustain at a maximal sustainable workload of for, for one hour. 
So doing a 20 to 30 minute test just means it's a little easier, a little less mentally challenging than going out for an hour. And what you do is you just subtract 5% off that number that you get, whether it be power or heart rate, and that gives you your functional threshold power or heart rate. And from that, you can use that to calculate your training zones. If you're using training peaks like a lot of people are, there you can just go put that number into your training peak heart rate zone area and your heart rate zones will be automatically calculated from that depending on the method that you use. So nowadays, anaerobic threshold has sort of been traded out, at least in the cycling world, for functional threshold power or FTP. But it is exactly the same thing or it's mentioning to the same concept. So... Now we get to the important part. How do we train this sucker? How do you improve your anaerobic threshold? Well, as a bit of a general rule, what we want to do is we want to clock up time at a training intensity around our anaerobic threshold. So most people's anaerobic threshold, if you've calculated your training zones correctly, your anaerobic threshold training zone is going to be zone 4. Okay, it's that it's that hard intensity. It's not maximal, but it's hard. It's sustainably hard. So zone four, we want to clock up as much time in zone four as we can, whether that be in one block, whether it be in little bursts throughout our session. The more time we clock up around anaerobic threshold, the more improvement in anaerobic threshold we get and that is because when we are around anaerobic threshold the body releases more lactate or lactic acid into the blood and the body gets better at shuttling that away and clearing it through our uh, buffering system if you remember back to our sodium bicarbonate or our supplement podcast I talked about how sodium bicarbonate can help buffer lactate this is what's happening. The body gets better at buffering lactate by itself and gets better at clearing it. So as you train your body to develop that ability, you can withstand more and more lactate production. So you can keep pushing harder even though it's being produced. So clocking up time around anaerobic threshold is the key concept we want to get into our head here. Now, some key training sessions for a beginner, for someone who's just getting into the sport and wants to increase the anaerobic threshold, just get out and train. Steady state training will improve your anaerobic threshold if you are new to endurance sport. Why does it do that? Well, it just improves your aerobic capacity. It just improves your aerobic capacity, which is one of the underlying fundamentals of improving your anaerobic threshold. So if you're new, don't jump into these newfangled interval sessions that you can go and flog yourself to death on. Just start getting into some good, solid aerobic training, and that will improve your anaerobic threshold. Following that, the next thing I'd suggest is hills. Hills are a great way to improve your anaerobic threshold. Just getting out and riding or running hills why does that improve your anaerobic threshold well as you start to go up the hill your intensity gets pushed up to overcome gravity your workout puts up around that anaerobic threshold 
marked just naturally. That's where people will naturally sit. And you start clocking up time around your anaerobic threshold. It's pretty easy. It's a really nice way using hills as a bit of an unstructured interval session. And I really like to use it uh, in, your, in, in the mid-base phase as we start to transition into our speed phase where I can get athletes out, they can go and train to how they feel, let the terrain dictate how hard to push themselves. You get good time clocked up around anaerobic threshold, but without the mental pressure or the mental structure that some people struggle with when it comes to specific structured interval sessions. So what I like to do is give them the hill option to start with to get the results, the low-hanging fruit, so to speak, before we have to start doing the specific harder work to get that higher fruit up the tree, for want of a better term. So once you've ticked off that base training, just steady aerobic work to improve your anaerobic threshold, hit the hills as a nice unstructured way. Think about working on the uphills, working hard, and on the downhills, have a bit of recovery. Doesn't really matter how long the hills are, just get out and smash some hills. Short ones, long ones, medium ones, get out there and hit the hills. Once you've ticked that off, it's time to start thinking a little bit more about how you're training. And a lot of people listening to this podcast are probably in this boat. They want to get a little bit more bang for their buck. They've they've maybe reached a plateau and that they're looking for something else. And this is where interval training comes in. Why do we use interval training to improve our anaerobic threshold? Well, it's because you can put in specific bouts of time at a specific intensity and elicit large volumes of work at anaerobic threshold versus just going out and doing one massive effort at anaerobic threshold, which is a form of training and we will talk about it. So as a general rule of thumb with intervals, if you are specifically looking at targeting your anaerobic threshold, your work to recovery ratio wants to be two to one, meaning that we work twice as long as we recover. And the reason that we want to target this work to recovery ratio is that what it allows us to do is to build up an accumulation of lactate within the body during that two work ratio and then during the half of the recovery time that we work it allows the body partial recovery so that the lactate gets a chance to decrease within the body before we get back into our next effort. What that means is that there's a partial decrease in lactate but the next working interval is going to build on that lactate from there. If we were to have shorter recovery, what we'll start to find is that each interval after that will start to drop its intensity away because we aren't able to recover partially to hit the intensity again. So 2 to 1 work to recovery ratio. And whenever I put a video or an article or a comment about this, everyone says, well, what about this session? What about this session? And you can get improvements in your anaerobic threshold using other work-to-recovery ratios. But if you want to look at optimizing your anaerobic threshold training, 
use the 2 to 1 work to recovery ratio. This is not me just making it up. This is what the research has shown is best for improving anaerobic threshold development. So a really good place to start is 4 times 4 minutes at zone 4 with 2 minutes of recovery in. This is a very good introductory session and it's a good place for people who have not done anaerobic threshold training before or they're just getting back into it for this phase of training to start with. As with all intervals, progression is key. After the first couple of weeks, start increasing the number of reps you do. So you could go to 5 by 4 6 by 4 and then start increasing the length of the interval. So you could be doing 4 times 5 minutes with 2.5 minutes of recovery and then building up for 4 times 6 minutes with 3 minutes recovery. The key is progression. Okay, changing a little bit so that the session doesn't actually feel that much harder, but the the stress that your body's experiencing is enough to stimulate a change. So once we've sort of got a few of those sessions under our belt, we can push it out to longer intervals. And depending on the race that you're training for, will depend on how long you push your intervals out for and the type of intervals that you'll do. So 4 times 10 minutes is another really good place to to build to with 5 minutes of recovery. So the 10 minutes is done nice and strong, could be done on the flat or it could be done up a nice sustained climb. It's always a bit easier to push yourself on into those higher zones when you are climbing. So if you've got some nice, long, sustained, steady climbs around your area, hit those for your anaerobic threshold training. If you don't, you could always do them indoors so you're not interrupted with traffic or traffic lights um, or intersections. However, the wind training can be quite mentally taxing. So if you want to try and get outdoors and do these, try and find some open, quiet roads where you don't have lots of interruptions. Now you may have heard of sweet spot training. Now the idea of sweet spot training is it maximizes the physiological load without the physiological stress. What this means or what this allows you to do is it allows you to go hard but not too hard. And the idea is that you can increase the amount of volume and decrease the amount of recovery that you need with this type of work. If you're cranking your training zones up into, you know, upper zone fours, it is very physiologically hard and you do need quite a lot of recovery. With sweet spot, which is approximately 5 to 10% below your anaerobic threshold or your functional threshold power or functional threshold heart rate, it allows you to clock up a lot of time there without the physiological stress. Now, I like to use these intervals later in the season because they tend to be longer. And these longer intervals tend to become more specific for athletes who are preparing for a long-distance triathlon, a multi-sport race, um, a marathon, a half marathon. And what they look like is, as an example, two 20-minute intervals with 10 minutes of recovery at that sort of upper zone 3, that upper zone 3. 
So it's about 5 to 10% below your anaerobic threshold. So a couple of calculations, you'll, you'll be able to find out that intensity relatively easy. Now, if you are training for a road race, it's a little bit different. While those sustained intervals are really good for improving your anaerobic threshold, what I would recommend that you do is add in some shorter, more high-intensity intervals as well. So, for examples, you could go for something like a Tabata set, where it's 20 seconds maximal and 10 seconds of recovery. And what that allows the body to get used to is obviously that short-term power production, but then also having short recovery times to try and bounce back from it. And this is where it comes back to that 2 to 1 work to recovery ratio doesn't always stack up. You can get improvements in your anaerobic threshold from using different work to recovery ratios. So what you could do is a little bit of a training session that works above your anaerobic threshold and then drops down just below it. So if you can imagine that you've got a three-minute block where you're riding at a steady sweet spot. And then every three minutes, you do an acceleration up above your anaerobic threshold into that upper zone five for 15 seconds. And then you drop back into that sweet spot for another three minutes. And you repeat that, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times depending on your level. And while a lot of people would think that that 15 second acceleration is the hard part of the effort, it's not. It's actually bringing the body back under control and settling back into the sweet spot. This is ideally done on a long sustained climb where you can accelerate up and then get back into that sweet spot quite easily because you've still got to work against gravity. So have a think about it. If As you get closer to your event, you want to make your anaerobic threshold intervals more specific to your event. If you're a long-distance triathlete who's looking at more sustainable power output, then getting into longer, more sustained intervals is obviously key. Always good to start integrating your nutrition plan into those intervals as well, so start thinking about that. And then if you've Training for a race that's got lots of intermittent bursts to having to pull that recovery back following hard efforts is going to be key for you. Start thinking about some shorter, more repetitive bursts throughout your session. So there you have it. That's anaerobic threshold in a nutshell. I hope you now understand the concept a little better and With that knowledge, you're able to train a little smarter as well. If you've got any more questions about anaerobic threshold or the training of your anaerobic threshold, post a comment below and let me know. If you've got a more in-depth question that you want me to elaborate on, feel free to send me through a voice message and I can follow it up in a future podcast episode. If you have a question that you don't want answered on the public forum, or you want more specific individualized advice, head over to my ReachMe account, which is simply reach.me slash Matty Graham, and I will answer your questions personally, privately, with good specific information for you for a very small fee. 
I've had a lot of people taking advantage of this. It's a really good way of getting some specific individualized advice from me without the price tag that my private coaching holds. So I hope that's helpful. Have a great week. Get out there and train hard, but most importantly, train smart. Thank you.